Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 8. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. These days, my exercise regimen includes a mixture of walking and yoga, pretty gentle, easy, calming exercise for me right now. And my favorite online yoga instructor is Adrian of Yoga with Adrian. She's calm, she's kind, she's encouraging. Her motto is find what feels good. She praises you for simply showing up to the mat. She says, if that's all you can do today, then that's good. She encourages you to listen to your body, sort of like therapy and meditation and exercise all in one. And while some of the moves are indeed challenging, she always admonishes you not to push too hard or go beyond your limits. She said, that's not the point. She says, you've got to trust the process, trust the journey, and then show up again tomorrow and see where you are. I always get up from that mat feeling more at peace than when I started. Now this is a journey for me because about 10 years ago when I was younger and had more energy and before I had two children, I had a phase where I was really into Jillian Michaels. I don't know if you remember her. She was a celebrity trainer. She became popular when she was on the TV show, The Biggest Loser. I didn't watch that show, but I did get into her exercise video. She had a whole method called The Shred. And if there is a, an opposite friends of therapy and meditation and peace, it is Jillian Michaels. 
She is not your best friend. She is there to push you, to yell at you, to scream at you, to hold that plank until your arms are shaking and then to hold it for two minutes more until you might throw up. I could not have handled being with somebody like that in person, but through a screen, I found it oddly motivating. In one video in particular, she would look straight in the camera and she would yell, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now I no longer use that phrase as my exercise philosophy, but it has stuck with me. I've remembered it in other areas of my life. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Comfort is a natural human desire. We want comfort from so many things in our life and including often our life of faith, a God that is gentle and nurturing, a Jesus who walks with us and talks with us and is our friend. As we heard Kelly read today in Mark's gospel, Peter, that faithful but often foolish disciple, shares our desire to be comfortable. We meet him this morning having a tough conversation with Jesus. So right before the scene that we just heard read, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Now we've been moving through Mark's gospel since the beginning of this year, and we know how fast-paced and urgent his message is. Up until this point, Jesus has been healing, he's been casting out demons, he's been preaching a repentance of sin, that the kingdom of God is near. But until this chapter, chapter eight, Jesus has been seen as a preacher and a healer, an overall good guy to have around. But then he asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers quickly as he always does, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. And at this moment, everything changes. The good news of Mark's gospel, it hinges on this truth. Jesus says, you are right, but don't tell anybody. But those disciples are in on the secret. So this is where we're meeting Peter and Jesus today. A few minutes ago, Peter was on that inside track. He not only knows this exclusive secret about Jesus, he was the one who figured it out. Surely they're now going to be best friends moving forward, bosom buddies finishing each other's sentences. So Peter eagerly awaits the next conversation probably ready to be that star student, the first to answer his questions correctly. And then, then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. Jesus said all of this quite openly. Well, Peter is shocked. <laughs> He's dumbfounded. This can't be the truth, he thinks. He just discovered that Jesus is the Messiah. Surely this will bring kingship, glory, a life filled with victory and triumph, right? Why is Jesus speaking all this nonsense about suffering and death and rejection by leaders? Won't the Messiah be welcomed by everybody? Now, Peter thinks, I'm the one who's got to set the Messiah straight. So Peter rebukes Jesus for such scandalous false talk. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. That's a harsh way to speak to your friend. Peter, Jesus says, you've got to get comfortable 
with being uncomfortable. Then, then Jesus called the whole crowd with his disciples. And he said to them, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Deny yourself, Jesus says. Take up your cross. Lose your life in order to save it. This is a pretty radical, life-altering, uncomfortable message about what it means to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. For as shocked as Peter was to hear Jesus say that he, Jesus, would suffer and die, now we have Jesus saying, if you want to follow me, you too have to walk in my footsteps. You're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to walk the way of the cross. You are going to have to lose your life in order to save it. That's a lot to take in. And this might be the moment in the story where I would just turn Jesus off and return to my peaceful yoga mat with Adrian where I can find what feels good. Breathe deeply in my comfort zone. Now on the one hand, our faith is deeply comforting. That is a truth. We worship a God who calls us beloved again and again, names us and claims us before we're born, has a love that will not let us go, and nothing and nobody is ever going to take that away. That is comforting. But we also worship a God who's not going to leave us right there held in love. God challenges us to say, if you know that you are held in love and all my creatures are held in love, you got to follow Jesus again and again and again to make sure that that truth is known widely, that it is lived out widely. During the season of Lent, we put a laser focus on following Jesus towards the cross, on making sacrifices, on taking an honest look at what needs to die, asking questions about how our particular comforts may actually be leading us away from God. These are hard questions. Being a disciple isn't easy or safe or risk-free. And Jesus doesn't promise that it will be. What does he promise? He promises that new life always comes out of death out of challenge, and that there will be resurrection on the other side. Now, as many of you know, over the fall, our church discerned a new vision. We are a wellspring of love and hospitality. We seek to build life-changing relationships, nurture spiritual growth, and foster service through impactful partnerships. The church's mission, of course, which will never change, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our vision is how we live that out in our context. Well, after we set our vision statement, the church council met for a retreat and set some tangible goals to help us live into this vision in this next season. And one of those goals, as we've shared, is to create an intentional faith development process for our church. 
for a team to identify what does it mean to be a disciple in our context? It's one thing to say we want to make disciples, but how do we really define what a disciple is, the characteristics of a disciple, and then how we can grow in that discipleship journey together in many areas? Then we identify what are we doing well, because we do a lot of disciple making well. But what are the places too where there might be gaps or we need to be intentional about adding ministries and opportunities to make that discipleship journey clear and accessible from everyone, from seekers to those who are mature in their discipleship. Well, we have a fabulous team. We've actually been working since January um, on what this process looks like with a goal of rolling out an intentional faith development system in the fall with clear ways you can find what it means to be a disciple, where you might find yourself in various stages of that journey, and the concrete and tangible ways that through our church, you are able to plug in and connect and grow spiritually. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we're working on this process and we want you to be a part of it. In fact, you're gonna hear some updates from our team in a couple of weeks to hear where we are and what we're working on. I have to tell you that I am excited and energized every time that this team meets, which let's be honest, isn't always true for every church meeting I'm part of. But I think it's because we are getting to the heart of the matter, discipleship. Our passion is to create a robust culture of discipleship for our church, where everybody who engages knows what it means to be a disciple and understands how to dis deepen discipleship through our church in meaningful ways. And for us to know that we're not doing it alone, we're doing it as a community together because we desperately need each other to follow Jesus well. Without accountability and relationships, deepening spiritual practices of prayer and serving and giving and worship, study and community building, we can be tempted to go back to our familiar comforts or to rely on those alone. And if we do that, we never build the muscle we need to truly walk that path of faith. And we as a church are here to journey together, to take up our crosses with each other so we don't do it alone. And though it is challenging at times, and it isn't meant to be comfortable, the rewards that we find along our discipleship journey are far beyond anything we could do or imagine when we seek to live life on our own. Because when our life is oriented to our own comforts instead of towards the kingdom of God, we, we find that we are empty and our world becomes empty. This is what Jesus wanted Peter to understand and wants us to understand with some sense of urgency. Why he reacts with such passion to Peter. Because he wants Peter to get it. To know that Jesus came not to make Peter's life more comfortable, not to tear down the oppressive powers of the day with more oppression and more violence, or to tell us to store up our treasures on earth so that we gain more and more comfort, or to succumb to the ways of the sword or the cross, tools of torture. Instead, Jesus resists these worldly temptations and brings with him a vision of peace and love and surrender and forgiveness. And for this, he will be killed. This message is so threatening that he will be killed by the leaders. The God of the cross is not the God we always want. It's not easy. But it is the God we desperately need. 
We don't worship a God who saves us from suffering. In fact, we worship a God who came to earth as Jesus Christ and entered into the belly of the beast, faced the execution chair for our sake, risked everything to witness to the love of God in this world. And the cross may not be the religious symbol we want, but it is the religious symbol we desperately need. A reminder that our Savior risked everything for the power and the love of God, refused to seek earthly comfort that would interfere with that message. Also that a kingdom where all are welcome will prevail. That is his plumb line, the kingdom, not comfort. And he calls us as his followers to choose every single day a kingdom way of life. What a gift to have a faith community where we are intentionally seeking this kingdom together. What a gift to have a God who forgives us and guides us and still loves us when we inevitably move backwards some days. What a gift to have a savior who helps us find our lives by losing them and who brings ultimately abundant and eternal life out of death. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.